Good afternoon and welcome back to everyone. It has been a good day in the presence of the Lord for those of us who've been here already. And we pray and trust that it will continue that way. Our theme today has centered around the relationships in the home, our marriages and our families. And no matter who we are, we fit into that category, don't we? We're all someone's child or parent or brother or sister or someone in those relationships are important to the Lord. And we want to ask for his help in bringing repentance and change and growth and healing into our families. If you'll turn with me to Genesis 3. It's amazing how quickly the Bible records the the degeneration of the family unit in the Bible. In chapters 1 and 2, we see how God says he saw that he made and it was very good. And we're in a perfect environment. And then we come to chapter 3. And the serpent enters the garden and speaks to the woman and she takes the fruit and gives to her husband. And he eats of the fruit and their eyes are opened and they're hiding from God. And when God looks for them, he comes to seek them. And when Adam finally identifies where they are and says, I heard you coming and we were hiding because we were naked and afraid. And God says to them in verse 11, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent, the serpent deceived me and I ate. In one moment, their world crumbled before their eyes. Sin. Sin has this incredible ability to instantly divide, isolate, bring guilt, blame, bitterness. Everything opposite of the way God made them at peace and harmony, seeking to be a blessing to the other Enjoying and appreciating the gift that they were to one another in the family, the marriage that God had established. Don't know how long that time period of innocence went on. But we know that it shattered instantly. And yet that's not God's design. His design is for harmony. His design is for unity. And so we read that famous passage in Psalm 133, how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. That's the way God sees it. That's what he wanted for us. And yet we see division and discord and everything opposite there right from the beginning in Genesis chapter 3. But the Bible says in Mark chapter 3 that a house divided against itself cannot stand. 
And here we've been asking God to help our families, our marriages, our family relationships to to be revitalized, to rise above what our culture is establishing as what they think is the norm and what they think is best. That is providing exactly what Genesis three was describing because it's altered from God's plan. It's contrary oftentimes to God's plan. And so we have a society full of houses that are divided against themselves and they cannot stand. But if we allow the divisions that arise from our sinfulness to remain, our houses will not stand either. When we were doing our study through the book of James... In chapter 3, the challenge is given to consider our works to see if they are done in the meekness of wisdom. You know, the trials that they were going through, the difficulties, they, they were challenged to, to get God's perspective on them, to, to count it all joy in the midst of their trials. And, and he knows that we don't know how to do that. And so he said, if you lack wisdom, ask of God and And so he explains here in chapter 3 what godly wisdom looks like. And he says, if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly and sensual and demonic. Those three things have been brought up several times in our prayer sessions. Our enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil are at work, not only in our society, but in us to, to lead us to operate according to the counsel of the world. As we were just reminded in our last session, the blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. But it's describing to us, are we walking according to God's wisdom? Well, let's show by our good conduct that we are walking in the meekness of God's wisdom. But if we have bitter envy, self-seeking, we're lying against the truth. That wisdom is not God's wisdom, but is from below. And so he says, where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and everything evil thing is there. But see, God's wisdom is that which will bring about, it says it's first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruits of righteousness are sown in peace by those who make peace. We have been considering today our need for change. Repentance in our own hearts, our own mentality and thinking towards life itself as our relationship with God. We began yesterday. Today we're we're bringing it into a little wider sphere, not just me and God, but my family. And there are ways God is bringing to our minds ways in which we are failing to walk in God's way rather than the world's way, uh, which is we have tendency to. And so, as he brings these things to our mind, what are we to do with them? Matthew chapter 7. This is where we usually begin. Perhaps in our times of prayer, the Lord will help us to break the cycle. 
But oftentimes we become so intimately aware of where others are failing. We've talked about taking down the mirror and showing it to everyone else and how they're falling short. But when when Jesus was speaking in Matthew chapter 7, he said, Why do you look, verse 3, in the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Oftentimes in our relationships, when, when the unity is gone, we get caught up in a cycle that is hard to break. And, and it's hard to go back and differentiate where it began even. But he says, when you look at what's going on in your brother's eye, he says, verse 5, I'm sorry, verse 4. How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck that's in your eye and look, a plank is in your own First remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I've come to understand for myself sometimes my reaction to what someone else has done we can justify and say it began with them. But before I want to judge them, before I want to help remove the speck from their eye, God says my ungodly reaction to them is the plank, not the splinter. It's the bigger problem. And I've got to deal with my problem, which is the bigger problem, and remove it first. If we are in the process that we've begun together these past few days of seeking God for personal renewal, for personal repentance, He's going to be putting His, His, His emphasis on those planks in our own eyes. And as we leave those before the Lord, as we repent and as we call out for God to change us, he's going to be starting to remove those planks. He says, then you'll see clearly how to deal with your brother. I'm not saying it's then time to go confront. What I am suggesting is that God needs to bring us to a place of humility to seek restoration from our sin. Deal with the plank. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24 says, If you know that your brother has something against you, you go to him. Leave your gift at the altar and go get right with your brother and then come back and, and offer your offering to God. If your brother has sinned against you, you go to them to seek restoration. Now Matthew 18 talks about confronting them with what they have done, but I, I want to suggest let us consider the planks in our own eyes that become the very things like in Adam and Eve's case. We're passing blame. We're looking at where the others have done wrong rather than what Adam and Eve should have done. Yes, Lord, I ate the fruit. I am guilty. Because God has said, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And... Galatians 6 says, if any brother is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, go to such a one to restore him. In all three cases, if there's no sin in relation to you, go to them. If you've done something wrong to someone else, you be the one to go to them. If they've done something wrong, you go to them. None of us can put this off on someone else. As far as it lies with you, be at peace with all men. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Ephesians chapter 4. 
bits and pieces of this chapter help us to find a recipe for restoration. Ephesians 4.1 Therefore the pris- I, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Lowliness and gentleness, bearing with one another in love. If you, like me, have felt the finger of God upon some area of your life, especially as we consider our our homes, where there's been now some sort of shortcoming. First he says to address it with lowliness of mind, gentleness, long-suffering and bearing with one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. He is trying to create and maintain the spirit of unity in our homes and we need to cooperate with God in that. He says, going down to verse 13, how long are we to do this? He's given us gifts. We're to use them for the building up of the body until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the the edifying of itself, In love, he says, together, since we're members of one body, let us all do our part that the body be built up. He's speaking of the church, but I'm saying as we look at the fact that in a family, we are one unit, especially in marriages, we are one. The two become one. How much more important that we each do our part to do what we can to provide growth and edification of that body, that oneness, that relationship, until we come to the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we're not there yet. And then he goes on saying, verse 26, Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Don't wait to deal with these things. Don't give the devil an opportunity because he's waiting and looking for it. And we're giving him more and more by not seeking the restoration that God desires to bring. And so he says, do it and do it soon. Do it now. Nor give place to the devil How do we do that? What do we say? Well, what God has always done, go back to Adam and Eve. Did you eat from the fruit of that tree? Yes. He was looking for a confession. And if the Lord has put something on our hearts, something in our families that needs to be corrected, 
He says to us, go to the person. You initiate the positive change. You confess your wrong and seek the peace and the restoration. Verse 29 of Ephesians 4 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. If that's the Holy Spirit putting his finger on something in your life, verse 30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Spirit of God is moving in response to our desires to let him search us and know us and lead us in the way everlasting. And so, what are we going to do with it? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. I believe that what we are embarking on is essential, is God's path of recovery and renewal and, and, and the, the gateway to the blessed state that we've been talking about earlier today and praying for in our homes, in our families, in our marriages, in our, our relationships But we see what it means to do that. He says, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. We think of the love of being tender hearted. We think of the love and being gentle and, and, and forgiving. But what it takes to forgive can be very painful. See, because when Jesus was there, to receive the nails in his hands. He wanted to grant forgiveness, but he wasn't exacting the justice that we deserved to bring restoration and reconciliation. He received the piercing of the nails. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And to forgive that person in our family that may have done wrong to us may be that painful. To release them from our wrath. But this is what God is calling us to. If we're serious about seeing God move in our families and our marriages, we've got to learn this lesson. Whether it's us to go confess and not to be blaming, but to own our own wrong and say, I have sinned. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Seek restoration. In whatever direction. Children to our parents. Parents to our children. Husbands to our wives. Wives to our husbands. Brothers and sisters to our brothers and sisters. Otherwise we're still playing games. And we're deceiving ourselves. Let us be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving our own selves. So there may be the Holy Spirit speaking to us as we beseech him to bring reconciliation, renewal, 
to align our families and our marriages in God's, according to God's pattern, we may need to humble ourselves and go seek reconciliation. May God give us the courage to do that. And may God give us the grace to forgive those who do, those who've trespassed against us. Peter would say to the Lord, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? If he's already come to me seven times today and he says I didn't and he repents, do I still have to forgive him after seven times? said, no, not after seven times. After 70 times, seven times today. Then maybe we'll talk. That's not what he meant, right? As many times as you can conceive of that, that that person has to come back and apologize again for the same sin even. He says, forgive. Forgive as I have forgiven you. Which is just kind of temporarily until it reminds me again. No. He's cast it into, well, we call it the sea of forgetfulness, but he doesn't go dredging it up to throw it into our faces anymore. He doesn't really forget, but he doesn't hold it against us when he forgives. And he says, that's how you forgive. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Satan understands that. That's why Jesus uses him as an example. He's not going to go cast out his own demons. He's working against himself. They counseled us before we got married. They said, remember this. You're on the same team. If I go play basketball and Someone on my team loses. You know what? I lose. Because we're on the same team. And we win and we lose together. Sometimes the enemy convinces us that that, that one in our home who's in our family is against us. They treat us or we treat them as if they're not on the same team. but a house divided against itself cannot stand. May God help us to be open to Him putting His finger upon something in us that has been breaking His heart, keeping us from experiencing this beautiful thing called the family that He has created. And if He puts His finger on something, let us pray that He gives us the courage to do something about it. To humble ourselves. The Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. Confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. And be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. May God help us not to keep looking at the speck in everyone else's eyes but see the planks in our own and help us to remove them. That when the hindrances are gone, the fullness of His Spirit may come in. His blessing may come in. 
The challenge in the book of Acts is repent and be converted that the times of refreshing may come. May God change us from who we've been because of our repentance that his times of refreshing may come.